Thank you. It really is a pleasure to be together and to celebrate this initiatory topic. And I'd like to thank Reverend Pat as well for her behind-the-scenes ministry of keeping us all on the right place at the right time. (laughs) And Mary Kay Simmons, she also has some behind-the-scenes functions that just keep everybody organized. So thank you all so much. And my goddaughter, Liza, I'm so glad to be doing a call with you. So welcome. And my dear friend, Mary Kay, I'm so glad to be doing a call with you as well. And I'd like to, first of all, just put my arms around this entire community and thank everyone for their effort to be on this call tonight. I know it really does take a village and a lot of juggling to make these carve-outs, but it's so worth it. And this is a really great topic. I'm just going to start a little prayer here. It's actually a scripture quote, and it's on the back of a St. Therese card. She's one of my friends, one of the intercessors of our ministry. And I just like it because it kind of will, again, just keep us pointed in the right direction. Do not let your hearts be troubled, for you have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you myself, so that there I am, and also may you be where I am going. You know the way. So this is from John 14, and it's just another example of this divine mercy that's embedded in this topic. The road to Emmaus is so profound. It's such an initiatory scriptural passage and story and parable. It talks of the resurrection, but it's also about sacred psychology and holy help and tenderness. And there's a lot of mysticism in it. The walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus is about seven miles. And the story centers around three people. And these three people are interrelated and they're interconnected in a very mystical way. And again, where three are gathered, there's a guru or there's a trinity or there's a heightened consciousness. So this is a really, just by its very structure, this is a really exciting topic. So, but before we dig into that, I'd like to um, just give a moment for our dear other presenters to say hello. Hi, Bobby. Thank you so much. Hi, Mary Kay. Welcome, everybody. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Well, it sounds like Mary Kay may not be able to speak right now. So why don't we go ahead and start by hearing a little bit about this topic. And there's a wonderful Ron Roth book who, Ron Roth is one of the spiritual mentors for CLM and one of the founders. And one of my very favorite books that he wrote is a book called, I Want to See Jesus in a New Light. And they're healing reflections for people of all faiths. So it's really about understanding the depth of these stories rather than preaching these stories. So I'd like to invite beautiful Liza Fox to just prepare us by telling us the story of Emmaus. Thank you, Bishop Bobby. I am honored to do so. So this is on page 78, in case you have it and want to refer to it again. It's Cleopas, a follower of Jesus. How ashamed I was not to have recognized my master as we traveled the road to Emmaus together. 
Bartholomew and I had just heard of Jesus' death, and we were walking along the road speaking of Jesus and how much he meant to us. When he approached us on the road, we were so caught up in our own sorrow and confusion that we didn't even recognize him. I explained our distracted state by telling him how sad the the past few days had been for us. What has caused your sadness, he asked. Astonished and then irritated at his ignorance of all that had taken place, I said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard of the terrible things that have happened. Then he asked for an explanation And like a fool, I gave him the whole story in detail, and it took some time to tell. And as I babbled on, Jesus began to speak to us with such clarity and vision regarding sacred scripture that we begged him, we begged him to stay with us. But he declined, for he had much to accomplish before his return to the Father. As we sat down at the end of the day to break bread together, he gave thanks over our meal. And it was in that moment that our eyes were opened and we saw his glory revealed. Jesus had indeed risen from the dead and stood before us, warming our hearts with his words. Jesus smiled at us and even seemed to take some delight in our not recognizing him. He was not easily angered by our folly, even if he had a right to be. No sooner had we realized our mistake than Jesus seemed to disappear before our eyes, and my companion and I were left to digest the situation. You see, Jesus was a prophet sent to us by God. We agreed a mighty teacher who worked wonders and healed the sick among us. Thinking him to be the Messiah, we were shattered by his death. Could it all have been in vain? Surely there must be more to this story than a hideous death for a kind, kind man. Many of Jesus' followers fled and fell by the wayside after the ordeal of the crucifixion. Others dispersed when they heard that his body had disappeared. We were in terror and anguish, ready to abandon him and everything for which he stood. Hopelessly dejected, we had left Jerusalem for Emmaus, and he appeared to us as if to shore up our faith. Fortified by his life and strength, we set out once again to preach Jesus' name wherever we went. Alleluia. Jesus lives in our hearts and in our thoughts. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Liza. That was really beautiful. And the thing I like about this story is it really brings us back to our own reality, where we get to have mea culpa, mea culpa, and out with doubt, worry, and fear. And again, take responsibility for our reality. And it shows the deep mercy that the consciousness, the Christ consciousness has for all of us to be sorted out in our times of trouble. So even though we might feel like we're very much alone, we're not when we have the eyes to see and the heart to know. So with that, I'm going to actually turn this back over to Mary Kay and say hello and ask her a question. 
Hello, I am here. Thank you. Welcome, and I'm Yay. glad to be here. <laughs> Somehow or another, my phone got muted and miraculously got unmuted, so it's all great. Thank you, Mary Kay. It's so good to hear your voice. And so we've we've been on many roads together. <laughs> we we've, we've walked down the roads of India. We've walked down the roads of Brazil. We walked down the roads of San Francisco and lots of lots of different places. So I was just hoping that maybe you could share a little bit about your walk of Emmaus, which includes possibly some miracles that you experienced along the way, perhaps like in Medjugorje, which, which we just came back <laughs> from in, in March. Yes, we did. And I thank you so much for inviting me to be on this call. And it's been a really wonderful experience to delve into this parable and this story because it really maps over my life very well and something I'm learning daily, momently sometimes. (laughs) So, yes, we did go to Medjugorje, and as many of you know, I have had for the last few years a few cranky knees, I call them, and I wasn't sure if I had the strength that should go, and I was assured that I should go and that it was a good time for me to go, and I was in training with a great PT who was training with me, and so... I decided, yes, I'm going to Medjugorje on this trip. And I was just all excited. And then one day, I just got full of anxiety and fear. Really, can I do this? Are you sure? Should I? You know, should I? So I reached out to Barbara Rose, who's my spiritual godmother, and asked if she had time. And she said yes. And so we spoke. And I told her where, where, what was happening with me. And she started to speak. And then all of a sudden, she was communicating a message from the Blessed Mother, which was, please come, I've been waiting for you. It will be fine. You will be fine. I will take care of you. And then she explained how through the energy that I would be safe and with the group I was coming with, I would be safe and that I would be able to do everything that I needed to get what I wanted to kind of get out of this trip. And I was so moved, as you can tell my voice, and so that was it with the anxiety. I just got very excited and trusted that that would happen. And I had walking sticks, and I had my trainer said, yep, you're ready, go for it. Walking sticks were measured and all that. And, and I was traveling with Bobby, and he assured me that I wasn't going to be left behind. <laughs> and, you know, I had lots of help you know, if I needed help or something, but it was fine. It, everything worked out really great. We got there. It was beautiful. The group was fabulous. We had a really good connection with everybody. And so then there was there's two walks. So those of you who've been to Magigoria or those may have heard, there's one up to Aversion Hill and one up to Cross Mountain. And I'm a trekker. I trekked up to 17,000 feet. I ran a marathon. I've been a runner. So I understand the terrain and the, the process. And so in like the day we go to Aversion Hill, oftentimes I get anxious before I do something like that, and especially since I was not sure, but I woke up the day we were going to go to Aberration Hill so excited and just never even thought of anxiety or fear. Just, it just didn't even cross. It wasn't in my body. I didn't even think of it, which I only noticed that at the end of the walk <laughs> or the trek or the hike. And it was just miraculous the whole day. And I had so much fun. We started off and I just got and It's a very rocky terrain and walking sticks aren't very helpful because there's not space and I didn't think about that. You know, we got to this first point, and we sat down waiting for everybody to gather, and, and then we started to take off, and the next thing I know, Alon, who's our guide, 
came over and he said, okay, I'm going on this side. And my friend Mary Wong, who was on the trip with me, she goes, she, she got on the other side. She goes, okay, let's go, Mary Kay. And I didn't even realize. I said, oh, okay, fine. And we just went. We were like in our own little bubble. And we got all the way up to the top. And it was just miraculous. I felt, I was just in joy. And my fear was that I would be so slow, I would hold the group down back. And it didn't ha- I didn't even think about that once we got going or even that day. And we just kept going, and it was just a wonderful connection. The stations of the cross, and we just stopped at each one and prayed and said the rosary, and then and then just kept going up. And it was when we sat up there. It was just when I got to the top, I just felt this huge connection with the Blessed Mother, and we just sat and beat together, and and then eventually the group was ready to go down, and I we were laughing all the way down because it's harder going down, and it was just. I got down and I thought, oh my gosh! And we had pictures up. You're getting down. I did. You know, I just looked up and like people were taking pictures. I was like so happy to be there. Not that I completed it, just to be in communication and connection with the divine and with the blessed mother and with our group. And that was just a total miracle. Just a total miracle that I was able to do that. And my trainer, when I got back, I showed him the pictures and he said, I just really am really proud of you, but I just can't even believe that you did that. And I know the whole, the reason I was able to do it was because of the Blessed Mother and, and the Divine showering me with their graces, holding me in their, in their hands, and the energy that just carried me and carried me through the whole trip. And I, it was a huge miracle for me. So, so that's one of them. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Well, you know what they say, if you want to get to Jesus, you got to go through Mary's heart. So Absolutely. <laughs> I, th- I, think you, I think you found your, your way to yeah. that, type, that, that intercession of the Christ through your yeah. devotion to M- Mother Mary. And you also have her name. <laughs> so I that, do. That helps I do. too. And having I'm Mary a- on, your, on your side was also really That's great. Right. Can I tell one little small vignette on that? The first night, first night we got there, I was with a group, and then all of a sudden I was like going back to the hotel by myself, and I got lost, and I had no idea where I was. I had a phone, I called, but nobody was available or answered, and I didn't even know if I was calling correctly. So I just stood there, and it was dark. I wasn't afraid of my anything happening to me. I was just thinking, well, I'm going to sleep outdoors all night, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. And I just prayed to the Blessed Mother. And within five minutes, one person came by, who, and she was from Italy and did not speak any English. But, she, you know, I had a card to the hotel, and she knew I was lost. And, and I miraculously got back to the hotel, which was, of course, just around the corner and down the bend. But that was another huge miracle that started off the trip, too. So mm-hmm. was, I was going to share that quickly. Oh, that's great. I love, yeah. I love that. Right. What you don't know is I was running around looking for you. <laughs> In the dark, because <laughs> I knew I knew you didn't have a card, and we were jet lagged, and yeah. had just gotten off the plane and went right to the church. But I was also looking for you in the dark, trying to figure out where you were. And then I got back to the hotel, and there you were. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So. I called you, and I I called you, and you didn't answer. And I said, "Well, I don't even know how the phones work here. If you have to be in the hotel or whatever." Anyway, so yeah, it was totally. I was taken care of very well. Thank you. Yeah. So, Liza, I know you also have some incredible Emmaus stories, and one of them includes a very sacred experience that you had this summer. So maybe you could share about that. 
Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. And I love, I just love being with the two of you and your love for each other. <laughs> it, it is so, and joining you on the road is a, is a, is an honor. So thank you so much for including me. Um, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was hoping that I could just touch into this on the road, on the road journey with Yeshua towards baptism, which happened for me this summer. And it is for sure an Emmaus story. And it's also like a, I love how you said it was a, a psychological and mystical metaphor, this story, this, this scripture, because it's like a maturing in God where we, and that's really what I felt happened over the last few months. And it really started, Bobby, with the communion service in the spring retreat with you, and which was so powerful. You were so deep in your connection to spirit, and I really felt how you pray, and it opened me up to experiencing Yeshua in, a, in an entirely new way, like at a, at a cellular level. Like I burst into tears. I wasn't, I've never been, that, that hasn't, experience hasn't happened for me in communion where I was just sobbing, and I was, I was feeling the group and feeling you and feeling myself in connection with Yeshua. And right after that depth of connection, I got COVID, actually, and so on the road, like you were Yeshua in a moment for me. You were helping me open my eyes. And when I got COVID, I know and I, and I really deeply honor how hard COVID has been for so many. And, and for me, it was a tremendous healing experience because I actually had to grapple with some ways that I was blocking myself from God. And it was in this kind of arrogant armor that I was holding where I didn't think I would get it. I actually didn't think I was going to get COVID for vibrationally, spiritually, immunity, whatever. I had this story that that wasn't going to happen to me and that it happened to me. And in that humility of that moment of, of getting really sick, and I did get really sick, I started to surface all these other ways that I was arrogantly distancing myself from God. And that was the beginning of this baptism journey for me. It was like really looking at how was I closing my eyes to so the real scripture. They, they were closing their eyes to God. They couldn't see him and he was right there. And part of that was really this deep reckoning inside about the ways that I was closing my heart, my heart to Jesus and my heart to Mary. And from there, it just went on. There's like so many different stories along the way that I could speak into that yes, led me. Do. I keep going. So, so one yeah. of them was right after that, I, I decided, I heard really clearly I was to actually bring my daughter into spirit somehow in a way that she, that would meet her. And there was, I read about this women's retreat in Southern Oregon, and we just kind of went. We went and I took her. We rented a sprinter van and we drove up through Shasta and so magical to be with her. And we were on, we were literally on the road, right, driving and, and from Shasta to to Southern Oregon, where we were on the Illinois River, we were chaperoned by this car. And at the top of the car, this is just a little side, there was this sign that said, talk to God. And it was in front of us the entire, it was like, I couldn't, like, I have to talk to God. Like, I I really have to see this. (laughs) There was no way around it. And and the van didn't go very fast. So I like, was kind of like, I couldn't pass. I couldn't, I just had to talk to God. And so the whole journey was really informed by this moment on the road. And when we arrived at this retreat, I had no idea what we were doing, but there were 700 
600 women and children totally safely enclosed on these campgrounds and with five days of prayer to the mother. And it was organized by these younger leaders, these wisdom keepers. And then there were some of the grandmothers. There were, I think, one, one or two of the 13 grandmothers were there. It was this holy, holy, I had no idea, holy moment. And my daughter was whisked away by these young devotees of the mother to go through her threshold ceremony into motherhood. And I was kind of left like, what, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do here? And I didn't know that my daughter was Yeshua on the road. She was, she was actually bringing me to this incredible moment where I, I walked in and I was called grandmother. And I was like, grandmother? They looked behind me around me. <laughs> like, oh, they're talking to me. And my feminine wounding like roared up, like my arrogance roared up with COVID and my feminine wounding just roared up. And I was like, I am, I am, you know, my sense of beauty, my sense of agency, my sense of worthiness, my sense of utility, my sense of desirability that is wrapped up in youth was like right on the table for me to look at. Like, how do I grieve the losses of those as opposed to hold the whole of like what's possible in my heart? with God because I'm in my loss. And, and over the course of those five days, I watched and took notes. I rarely take notes. I took all these notes of these young leaders, these women in their 20s and 30s who had no problem pulling from the maiden, pulling from the mother, pulling from the crown. They were the, in their certainty. I'm projecting, but I, I like my projection here. They were in their certainty, <laughs> in, their, in their just they nursed while they gave classes. I mean, it was so beautiful. And at one point, I, so I was really working, like, okay, I can open, talk to God, just open and allow these woundings of the feminine to be healed. It was Mary, was so present, Magdalene for me, was so present. And at one point, I heard this grandmother, she was an actual grandmother, she was drumming down the hill, um, this Celtic grandmother, Grandmother Sarah, she's native and Celtic, and she was drumming down the hill, and behind her were 200 women of all ages. And I like just rose from my seat and I followed them down this hill to the river's edge. And there was this African goddess who was preaching, loving your body. I mean, I can't even make this stuff up. Loving your body. And she's rubbing on her body saying, I love you arms to the babies that I've held and the lovers I've cradled and the grandparents I've helped. I love you legs for how you carry me. Just this love of our bodies. And in this reclamation, they asked us to, like, drop our clothes, drop our ego, basically, and walk into the water. And I did. And it was amazing. I opened my eyes. It was like Magdalene at the river's edge and Yeshua in the water. And I just walked forward and prayed here is this my baptism? This is my baptism in the sun. And it's like, I am baptized sovereign. Thank God. It was so amazing. I could, you know, clearly I could talk about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so it was like COVID and the arrogance, this one and the feminine. And then I thought, maybe I don't, like, maybe I don't actually have to go get baptized. Maybe I don't need an intercessor and the bishop to open a door for me to God. Maybe this is it. And the arrogance started to, you know, surface again. <laughs> and um, all of this, <laughs> it was like, it wasn't like the eyes were opened and I was done. It was like, oh, no, there's like these waves of these waves of peeling off layers of my heart. 
Um, and as I worked, like, I think there was maybe, and you were right there, both of you with me as I tormented myself through this process of should I, shouldn't I, should I? (laughs) (laughs) You did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, God, Darius. So if any of you could relate to this, you know, waffling and ambivalence and crying, big tears, really like mad at the masculine, you know, like really just all the stuff I needed to clear that Magdalene was helping me clear so I could actually show up. And, and I did. I got there. And what I realized, and I wanted to share this with you, Bobby, because it was so meaningful, I realized that what I was experiencing in you and the bishops as gatekeepers in hierarchy and religion, religion's kind of masculine space in religion, I wasn't able to like move to the next maturing place of seeing you as gift givers, gift givers to more God. And, And that was that leap. That was when you became Yeshua, Dana and Padre became Yeshua. And the miracle, yeah, I just love you and I'm appreciative for all this. And the miracle in that weekend was that it was Magdalene's feast and she was there. She was right there the whole time. It was so beautiful. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. Mm. Beautiful. Well, and your baptism took place in July. So this, you had a series, a few from April through July, you had these three different initiations and and three year or about three years prep because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. the, the the pandemic kind of once you decided in your heart you wanted to be baptized, it took a few years to actually fulfill it, and then it happened in three ways through the exactly. April retreat, through the summer retreat with your daughter, and then through CLM in the summer with this at the student retreat. So it's magnificent. Again, this is one of those things we cannot. Our minds cannot grapple with the magnificence of the divine or the divine plan or what the divine has in store for us. And that's why we have to we have to enter all of this through the heart. We have to stand by our heart. And I want to just weave in Mary Magdalene and the name of Mary because it's so significant. This is a resurrection story, Emmaus. It's one of the four stories of resurrection. And of course... The, the big one is that Jesus is, is on a cross and he dies. And who, who's at his feet? Mother Mary, his mother, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene, his beloved disciple and friend and confidant. These three Marys are at his feet. And these three Marys are witness to his entire journey. And so I just think that there's so much significance about this story for you and for Mary Kay, because you both have this strong Marian reality. Yours is with Mary Magdalene, Mary Kay's is with the Divine Mother Mary. And I just think it's so incredible. And I also know that the this teaching is about awakening. It's about awakening to see what is there, what is truly there, what is actually there that spies the mind. Because we make so much stuff up with the mind. The mind get, gets lost in stories, and it's just a playground. But the heart is, is faithful to God. The heart, once the heart and God come together, they never separate. And so this is about that. It's about whatever's happening. If you're in your heart, you can bear it. You can witness it. You can experience it. And 
one of my favorite books is called The Arantia Book. And there's a, a lovely theme or a lovely quote in there that says, the love of Jesus is never satisfied with mere forgiveness. The master's mm-hmm. love implies rehabilitation, eternal survival. And Mary Kay has just been going through a massive rehabilitation. So I'd like to invite her to maybe speak a little bit about her rehabilitation walk of Emmaus. Okay. Do you have all night? or what? <laughs> No, I'll, I'll keep it short. <laughs> I, I, I do want to acknowledge, though, thank you so much, Liza, for your story. It was really very touching and also expansive, helped expand for me also. Bobby, you and I have been doing this walk to Emmaus for a long time as my healer, and and you've gone through many, many different things. And the last three years, I think I had atrial fib for about a year, and you helped me focus on. And I and I really learned that when things go on in my body, it's a it's a spiritual ex- opportunity to see what gifts I'm being given. And sometimes I have to dig hard, and sometimes I need my friends, such as you, to help me see this. What is What's the purpose of this? So I had that, and then I had a very toxic reaction to the COVID vaccine. And that took me about a year to get through all of that. And, but I really kept surrendering, kept learning to surrender, because it's not my plan, it's God's plan. And that I had the atrial fib right before I retired, a year before I retired. Then I retired, and then I got the virus, the you know, reaction to the COVID virus vaccine. I thought, well, and people would say, how's retirement? And you go, well, that's quite what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, I'm not quite retired. I, I'm in my Out of the mind and into the heart. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and I really was able to just be with it, and I'd start getting better, and then, oh, i got one more thing here we got to take care of. And then, so then I, I started, and that's where I got, started working with a trainer because I was back, but not doing anything physically for so long, started working with this great trainer that one of my healers told me about, and it really was a good fit. And then went to Magigori and came back, and we got to a point where I was kind of flat. You know, he couldn't do much more with me because my knee was really acting up and giving me some problems. And so he said, when was the last? So we decided to get an evaluation, a consult. And I went in not thinking at all what I was going to hear. We took, uh, went to a really good person that Bobby had known about and recommended an orthopedic surgeon. And I went to see him, and I really appreciated his knowledge and his bedside manners and, and took x-rays that I didn't appreciate. And they, it was bone on bone. And he goes, well, it's just clear you need a total knee replacement. And I went, huh? <laughs> and I walked out of the office just like, how how could that be? You know, I don't have I live by myself. I can't take care of myself for the, as long as he was talking about who's going to do that, and, and just started the whole litany of fear, all this fear coming up, and and I knew this was a big teaching for me. This was really going to be a big teaching, and what also I learned about 15 years ago through working with Bobby and the guides that I had taken on a commitment to clear the karma on my mother's side of the family. And I had been doing it diligently, I have to say, and I usually do it through my legs and not knowing what it was, but that's how I clear things so through my legs. And it's oftentimes painful, but it just is what it is. And so this time I thought, wow, okay. But I, and I said, you, you this, I started looking at what to do. And then I called, was talking to my godparents, Bob and Diana. And I said, guess what? I have to have this. And out of their mouths immediately was, oh, my God, that's so great. You get a new knee. What a gift. 
And it just stunned me. I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, that's true. But all I was looking at was the fear and the anxiety I had. And the horror stories that, I mean, as a nurse, you know, and also friends that have had told me, my sister had a told me, and I was with her. So I thought, oh, this is really true. This is a gift. This is what I can accept and surrender to. And this is my gift from the divine. And I just turned me around immediately. And I started seeing how things, things just started showing up. When I told a dear friend of mine, Rebecca, she said, oh, can I come stay with you and take care of you? I thought, what happened? Where is that coming from? And, and Bobby totally supported me and said, okay, this and this and this. And, and he, where I was going to have the surgery, he works at that hospital. And it turned out that the day I was going to have surgery was the day he's there. So, I mean, all these miracles started happening. And, I mean, things just that seemed hard for me, like getting new clothes that I needed to wear during recovery and food, and people stepped up and said, oh, can I bring food to you? Can I? So there were all of these beautiful things, and then that were happening, and, and then I got somebody, a friend of mine who just had been out of town, George, and he'd been out of working, and was now back home, and he said, oh, I can drive you, and I mean, all these things like that just one after the other, and I just had no concern. I just, I saw that I was just being taken care of, and when was I going to learn that? You know, when was I going to know that the divine always has my back, always is holding me, the Blessed Mother is always watching over me, and that things show up if you just can be present, and mm. I started learning that, and it's just never stopped. It's been just these miracles, and I had, I got, went into for surgery at six o'clock in the morning, and I had the best nurse. <laughs> when the surgery nurse came in, I had no idea who he was. He had a mask on. He told me his name. I couldn't understand it through the mask. And he just stood there and goes, I'm going to be your nurse. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not leaving your side until you're finished with surgery and going to, going to recovery. And I go, okay, you're my nurse for sure. <laughs> I want you. And this anesthesiologist came in and he sat and he had every hair in place. He was impeccable. And I thought, I want you as my anesthesiologist. You know, you're going to pay attention to details. And then he told me all the good stuff and the negative stuff. And I said, you know, you're a really great teacher. And I have learned a lot from you. Now, can I ask you something? Because sure. Because it left on a very scary note of all the bad things that could happen. And I said, well, are you spiritual? And he said, yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, yeah, kind of. And I said, well, let me tell you, I have lots of spirits in heaven that are praying for me, me and our team, you, the surgeons, the nurses, all of us together working as a team, and lots and lots, hundreds of people down on earth that are praying for this surgery and for everybody in the surgical room to be conscious, knowing what they're doing, that we all succeed, and I believe with a, a meaning. And he said, okay, let's go. <laughs> And that was, he was enrolled. And I had had a thought before that too, but it was, I can't remember now, but it was just that kind of, and my surgeon was, came in and it was just all just amazing. And after surgery, I was up walking two hours afterwards and Bobby came in later and helped me. He, he, he was actually working at the hospital and he came in after I got into the room to make sure I was fine and doing okay. And then he brought me some good dinner that night. And it just, the recovery has been amazing. I mean, it's just been, I had, my trainer came to my house twice, right away after surgery, you know, the day after surgery. And it's just been these miracles. I would never even have written or thought that it happened. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's around being present and listening 
and my connection with the divine and my guide. And, and I surrendering to the process. And surrendering, yeah, surrendering, exactly. Totally and, surrendering. Uh, and I have people reminding me of that, too. There's just no, this is part of the healing process I heard the other night. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs in the road for me, and it looks like, <gasps> and then it's like, no, it's just part of the healing process. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. one thing one thing that I don't think you mentioned was you're about three weeks post that and you're and you're on this call with us, so it's really, I know. It's really wonderful. I'm, thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's everybody my trainer, surgeon, um my acupuncturist, everybody goes, Oh my god, how did how did you do it? I, I and I really there was no plan to it. I just took one step and then the next and I had the strength and it didn't hurt and uh, the blessings you know I mean I wasn't being foolish I asked my PT if he when he came to the house could you go drive with me to see about what I could drive and he goes sure and he did and he made sure all my bathrooms and showers and everything was set up perfectly for me so that I could be safe and I didn't I just really I just kept feeling and knowing this was a gift and I treasured it, and I am treasuring it. And in the middle of the night, sometimes I wake up, and it's uncomfortable. And so I start doing this energy work on my knee. And, okay, you've got a new person now in the sandbox, and you got to welcome this new person. And we got to work together. we got to heal it. And I was That's telling beautiful. my husband, he goes, oh. he goes, yeah. So, yeah, it's just every moment is an opportunity to just surrender. And I really am yeah. thankful for this miracle. Mm. Well, one of the thing one of the things about the conversation that the two had on the road with Jesus was they said after after he came, spoke with them, and then left, they said, "Did did not our hearts burn within us while we while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us up?" Mm-hmm. And that's always the thing. You can always tell that this is a divine moment when you're starting, you're not sure of what's happening and it feels really big, but suddenly everything opens. And in another scripture, it says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So this is opening to the mind of God rather than being in our small mind, which has details and problems and worst case scenarios, when we open to the mind of God, there's there's only the miraculous and there's only the expansive. There's only the possibility. Even how the chakras work, as you go up the scale, you have more and more options. So if you ever feel like you're in a lockdown, that's the moment to just pray and ask to have your eyes opened, your heart opened, your spirit to unite with the greater. And Life, I think you had come across some really beautiful information about this this the couple who were on the road to Emmaus. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. And thank you again, Mary Kay. I just am so I just love you and I love your heart and you you always open it freely. So it's such a gift. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. You were one of the angels that brought me soup and veggies and fruit. Thank you. We get to nurture each each other, for sure. Well, I was reading this story, and I, I, I often ask Ron for guidance. And I'm like, Ron, what am I missing? Like, what? What about the feminine in here? And he's like, well, look it up. <laughs> so, 
I did. And what was, which is so beautiful because what you were saying in the beginning, Bobby, about, and what you were sharing, Mary, that, that Mary is always opening the door to her son, opening the door, the mother of God, mother of God. And when I looked and I said, feminine, divine feminine and road to Emmaus, Google. And up came like pages and pages of information that the unknown traveler that's how it's, we hear one name and the unknown traveler. And the question is always, why isn't that traveler named? And Cleopas would be traveling from the, the Passover Seder with his wife. And they were returning to Emmaus. And his wife was Mary, wife of Clopas, who's named at the foot of the cross. And somehow there's always, for me, I find it not anymore like the exclusion of the of the of the feminine but the opportunity to discover rediscover the feminine at every turn and that mary always shows up she's always there so here's another mary on the road she was at the foot of the cross she was waiting she was one of the devoted and he returns to her and her husband again and there's something so beautiful to me about Finding Mary again, like finding Mary at the baptism, finding Mary with all those women at the at that retreat, like Mary just keeps arriving and and in ways that are so unsuspecting, like the story we've heard a million times, and the pieces are right there if we want to put them back together. It's like this resurrection of the divine feminine, not in like taking over, but in unearthing her from everything, just like Yeshua and Christ's consciousness, unearthing the Christ from everything. Wow. In Matthew, it says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And it's clear, like, the Christ consciousness does not have male and female. It doesn't have this this person or that person, it has all people. We're all there together in this in this name. And that's why this story is so rich because the road to Emmaus is really the road to our inner knowing of ourself and wholeness and our inner knowing of ourself in community and our inner knowing of ourself in relationship to other. And it's just so beautiful. And I love I love that you found that about the third participant being the wife of Cleopas because wouldn't that be so obvious that <laughs> here, here are these people they they were devout disciples and then suddenly their teacher is killed and they are freaking out and they're also just in so much pain and anguish and so they're on the road they're just just they're just trying to talk it out haven't you been in a crisis like that where you just Mm -hmm. cannot believe what has just unfolded Mm -hmm. before you Mm -hmm. you can't believe it Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. surreal and you're just trying to find a way to 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 soothe yourself but also to not abandon yourself but every part Mm -hmm. of you wants to run (laughs) every Mm -hmm. part of you wants to just run down that road and just go get home and hide because it's it's just so scary and I feel like that's what this story helps us with. It helps us to see that we're never alone, no matter how bad it feels, no matter how scary it gets, and no matter how our expectations get failed. Mm-hmm. That's what it, this is the truth. It's like sometimes, sometimes something will happen and our expectations fully fail so that something mm-hmm. can be revealed that is eternal, that is lofty, 
that is supernatural, that is so awesome in its consciousness, which we would not have been able to have if there wasn't a room made, some space made in our reality for that. Mm -hmm. And so Mary Kay's had that with surgery. She's had that with taking on a big effort. You've had that, Liza, with all of your work, your, your, your mentoring of others, your, your mothering of others, your excavating of your old self and allowing this new self to be born. Mm-hmm. That is the walk of a man. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We just have to constantly be renewed in the spirit. And when we go to sleep, we die. We just literally die if we do not keep excavating and opening ourselves to the more. I mean, I think this is one of the things that Padre has always shown us through his walk of Emmaus. You can't, you, you might feel like you have it all figured out and then something happens and you have to open even further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is, this, is, this is our constant opportunity is to open, 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 to pursue love and to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts to, to come through prophecy. In this case, the prophecy was the, the apparition of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus in, in coming to, the, to this, this couple and healing their hearts and walking them through all the steps of this prophecy so that they could really understand it. I was just going to add that this whole venture and, and invitation and contemplation that I've been in around this story and the road, how does this play out in my life? It really is that we're all walking each other home. We're walking down the road to Emmaus and that's heaven. And that the people that are next to us can be the guide, can be the inspiration, can be the, oh, you get a new me, or this is the way to home. Here's where the hotel is. It can be Jesus right there, the spirit right there, covering and giving us instructions through other people. And and I the, the other part for me was that I always have expectations how it should be. And I've really learned over these last few years just that there's no there's no value in having expectations because that's me. That's my will. And it's really God's will. And and I don't know what God God's will unfolds as I take each breath and to be in gratitude and just really stay in gratitude for everything that happens and appreciate it, knowing that God's right there and plus another's there and that I'll be taken care of. But that walking home, we're all walking each other home or expands that whole experience for me of spirit just being with me through people, through signs like what Elijah was saying, talk to Jesus, <laughs> you know, just the little signs all around us that we, if we're present, we can see it. That's all I just want to add that. Oh, thank you. No, that's so beautiful. And also, you know, I just think it's so interesting, again, just keeping with the supernatural qualities of this story, Mary mm-hmm. Kay, you were, draw, you were, you had to fall to your knees, literally, to participate yeah. in this call. And Liza had to strip herself completely to participate in this call. And that's, that is the supernatural wonder of these kind of stories. And that's why they're so pertinent to our daily life. Because it's real about who we are and what we're going through. And when we can hold it in this higher vision, it's so exciting. And also when we get to share like this. I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling so much energy in my body right now. 
Mm-hmm. And I know we're we're coming to a place where we're going to do some communion and we're also going to do some prayers to maybe share this energy with some of the people who are in need of prayers, healing prayers. So I'm going to just take over now and I want to read prayer uh, a reading and then we're going to go into a blessing of the water and the and the bread and the bread. So this this is a beautiful passage from Lao Tzu who is a 6th century monk or or teacher and it's titled All Things Pass. All things pass. A sunrise does not last all morning. All things pass. A cloud burst does not last all day. All things pass. Nor a sunset all night. All things pass. What always changes? Earth, sky, thunder, mountain, water, wind, fire, lake. These things change. And if these do not last in their solid form, what about our visions? What about our illusions? They come and go because all things pass. So we do not have to be concerned about the scary stories that we have built our life around or what we're creating out of anxiety because all these things pass. But we do need to remember this one thing, that once we put our hands together and we open our heart and we say, divine, come, come, that decree will create heaven and earth to unite in a powerful way. And that's exactly what happened on the day that Jesus blessed the bread and the water for his disciples so that they could experience forevermore this beautiful connection that they shared and that it would translate for the rest of consciousness that when we take the bread, take the cracker, and we say, come, Come into this. That powerful energy of the divine must come into the cracker, into the bread, and fill it as a living presence so that we may be healed by the medicine of heaven, by the medicine of the Christ consciousness. And when that bread gets broken and that cracker gets shared, We can feel the eternalness, this mana from heaven. Because Jesus, one of the main teachings that he showed through his entire lifetime was to feed the people. There are so many stories where he simply showed how to feed the people. It's a natural and supernatural experience. So we're using a natural substance and we're bringing in the supernatural energy. So if all of you have your bread in front of you or your cracker, just say supernatural energy from heaven, the Christ consciousness come and trust with all your heart that this is happening. And then gently and consciously take that medicine into your mouth and savor it.
Mm. And let yourself be healed. And then take the wine or the water and hold it up. Hold the cup up. And let that supernatural energy of the divine, the great I am presence, the Christ consciousness, fill your cup. Transform this water into the living waters. And if you need healing right now, if you need healing to break a fever, this is your moment. And if if you need healing to break a condition like arthritis, or depression, or sadness, or grief, or anxiety, or if you need healing energy for recovery of surgery, or COVID, or any kind of infection, cold, flu, anything, this is your moment. Diabetes can be healed in this moment. Blood dysgrasias can be healed in this moment. Arrhythmias can be healed in this moment. We have to trust. We must trust that the problem always brings us to the solution the more. And that as we gather together in one heart, in one consciousness, we are helping each other to be healed. We are helping each other to grow in consciousness. And we are helping each other towards salvation. So I invite you now to drink from these living waters. To absolutely know that you are healed. You are healed. We must open our hearts. We must let our hearts find their way into the world every moment of the day. Even if it's uncomfortable or strange, we must invite our hearts to be more plentiful, more powerful. We must invite each other to open their hearts in our presence, even if it's scary, even if it's painful, even if it's awkward. Because if we're not helping each other in this way, we're shutting each other down. And I believe that this time of the Divine Feminine, where the Marys are so strong, where Jesus is appearing to help all people who are calling out to this consciousness, At this time of the great awakening, this is our time. We all came forward to be part of this massive awakening on the planet. So I thank each and every one for being on this call tonight. My heart is so full. I'm so grateful for this community. I'm so grateful to Padre Paul and to Bishop Dana to all of the community of CLM who tirelessly persevere to 
keep bringing these programs forward so that we can connect effortlessly, lovingly, and as one. Amen. And good evening, everyone.